<laughs> Give me two seconds. We gotta keep this. Keep keep that on, will you? We will. We got I have it. So much crap in my office. Okay, we're uh, gonna do. You get the pre-run here. Two seconds is quiet. As you might guess, this is not your normal timeline episode, but instead it's part one of two episodes, and we combined WP Tonic with timelines to bring you two dynamic shows back to back. So now let me read the script. This is the first two episodes. We are doing a twofer. Our guest today is published author and one of the top WordPress experts in North America. He's well known as a WordPress staff author at Linda at lynda.com. Running a digital media company, he divides his time evenly between building web solutions and teaching others how to do things right and get the most out of the web. Morten Ren Hendriksen grew up in Norway and now makes his home in Canada, and he's been there since 2002. So check out lynda.com, and I'll have that web link at episode 85 on Timelines of Success. And we're also going to put this episode up on WP Tonic. This is actually the first show which was designed for WP Tonic, but they fit so well together, they're going to be up on both WP Tonic and Timeline. So without further ado, let's get right into the discussion with Jonathan Dinwood and our special guest, Morton Rand Hendrickson. Morton, welcome to WP Tonic. We've got Jonathan here, and we're having fun. It's been a heck of a day here in Reno, Nevada. We won't go into details, but I hope you're, oh my, you just went out of focus. But <laughs> it's such a pleasure to have you here. You've got a really great reputation in the WordPress community, and it's just a pleasure to have you on. Jonathan is our tech expert, of course, in WP Tonic. So we've got to get you super tech heads together and talk WordPress. Right. right, it's lovely to have you on the show, Morton. Um, you're well known in, in the WordPress community and also as one of the chief instructors with lynda.com. So what I propose is that we have a discussion about two of um, areas which I know you're quite passionate about, um, online um, training and education and also um, um, usability um, when it comes to the web with people that got disabilities, mm -hmm. um, I think um, I think you would agree. But I like your insights in this. I think in North America and in UK, and maybe to some extent in continental Europe, um, education is struggling how to deal with technology and teaching technology in a, in a effective way that provides real value to its student base. And it's still it's still really struggling with this. Can you give some of your insights into this, and maybe some um, insights on on how um, new methodologies could be developed to improve the situation? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thanks for having me on the show. This is an awesome. Uh, you guys have a really awesome set of podcasts and events, so it's good too be allowed to contribute to your community. Um, education is interesting. Uh, I don't actually just teach at Linda. I also teach at uh, the university, um, a university here called um, Emily Carr University of Art and Design. And I teach uh, a summer course at a polytechnic called British Columbia Institute of Technology. Um, so I do online training, but I also do live in-person tra training with real students over extended periods of time. 
Um, what I've discovered, well, it's not really a discovery, more of a, an observation, is that all those challenges that I saw when I was going to high school and what back then was called ICT, like information and computer technology, was starting to roll into schools, is that uh, the regular way of thinking about education simply doesn't fit a moving target like uh the web or like technology in general because when what we're talking about like say wordpress or web design in general or anything like that anything that's true today will likely have evolved to something else about two weeks from now and all the stuff that's interesting and that's new is either on the cusp of breaking or has already broken and is becoming outdated as you start talking about it. So uh, the traditional educational system, which is based on long plans and uh, uh, approved curricula and things like that, it simply doesn't work because you can't say, like if I, if I went to my university and I said, I'm going to start a new class, it would take about two years for uh, the whole process to go through all its steps and the class being mapped out. And for accreditation, you actually have to go through that entire process and make sure that you know all your dots are all your dots are teed and your eyes are lined and like everything has to be in place. And if you plan out a curriculum and then teach it two years later, and you're talking about anything technology-wise, unless you're talking about something like, I don't know, wood carving, there's no real way that you can actually teach what's current. Um, and what ends up happening is uh, at a lot of these universities, um, and at least higher education, you start getting very vague lesson plans that are more conceptual. We're going to teach you how to build uh, web technologies or a website or something like that. And then the instructors are kind of left to their own devices to figure out what does that mean? What am I teaching this year? Or what am I going to change from one term to the next as things evolve? And that in turn causes some serious challenges in that if you have multiple people teaching the same thing in the same institution or you have stacking where you have to you know pass year one to go to year two uh, and you have different teachers it's very hard to keep some sort of structure to that education so what you end up with is students who may get what they want may get way more than they need or may end up work walking out of the school with uh, old information and what I see the most of is old information that we we often interact with students who come from, not, not as a teacher, but when I work as a web developer, I go to conferences, I often meet students who've gone through some sort of program and they've been taught things that were current two years ago. So they basically walk out with a three-year program where they learned nothing of value. They may have base, they have the basis uh, covered, but they simply aren't on the ball with what's actually happening. And they have... <laughs> Once you get out of school, you have this enormous threshold you need to step over to get into the actual market. And that threshold gets bigger because the school simply can't catch up with it. So what appealed to me when um, I was approached by Linda was that um, teaching at Linda means I develop materials and then I'm responsible for keeping them up to date. So if I say we make a course on WordPress and then all of a sudden uh, they roll out a new feature. Uh, let's say um, they change the way that the paste from text function works. I can simply go back into the course and just find whatever movie I refer to that feature and then swap it out with a new one or update the course. And the people who subscribe to Linda will then be able to just automatically get whatever updates come in. Whereas if you went to school and I'd already covered that, there is no way I would go into my lesson plan and say, oh, there was a slight update to the software, so I'm now going to go back to lesson two and redo it, right? 
if you if I'd already covered that in school, that has already been covered, and I'm moving on because I don't have time. And then uh, the students simply won't get that information. They'll have to figure it out on their own. So it's there's something about the way we teach in schools that simply does not work with the kind of technological evolution we have today. And I'm not sure if there is a simple way of solving that, but it seems like services like Linda are filling that gap really well. Because what we're seeing now is, for instance, the two schools I'm working at, both of them provide all the students with lynda.com subscriptions. So I can say, we're going to talk about the CSS box model. So go look, watch some courses on the CSS box model first and then come to class and then we'll talk about it some more. So I can hand off some of the teaching to existing sources and then just come in and teach them. And it's far more interesting to watch a video with someone demoing something than to try to read a book. You know, we've all read books about CSS animation, right? <laughs> it's really exciting when they try to take pictures of the different steps and you have these weird graphics in the book and you go, I don't understand what this does. When you see it in real life, it's quite different. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll put this to you, Bolton. Um, do you think also if you had a college that, you know, utilize the services of Linda, which mm -hmm. some of them are, but also I think when you're dealing with, a, um, and there can be a little bit of snobbery um, in the in education establishment about vocation, vocational education um just a little bit isn't there um but i think one of the problems is that also students should have some day placement with actual agencies mm -hmm. with actual people that are making their living in the field which these students are going to hopefully after their education um, get a job and start their career in and divorcing education from practical experience is a mistake and it's a mistake mm -hmm. that's seen in a lot of countries and my observation of um, I know a little bit about the fi the Finnish education system um, they they have a, a high education standard but they also have a high element of further education that's linked to vocational training mm -hmm. So what's your response to what I've just outlined? Do you think there's any truth in or any, anything to what I've just said? Let me tell you two stories. Uh, I actually come from an academic background, so I'm not a technical anything. I have a massive university degree, like a traditional university degree in philosophy. Uh, so I spent my entire university time reading books that were written hundreds of years ago. Uh, and was very caught up in, you know, f philosophy and the difference between analytical and uh, continental philosophy. And uh, I was obsessed with epiphenomenalism. If you want to look up something crazy, that's oh, a then, good place shall to start. We, uh, <laughs> uh, Walton, um, shall we forget about WordPress? We can start talking about philosophy, if you like. Um, well, uh, what, what's your there's view? A, <laughs> there's an actual tangent here that goes to where you want to go. So I, I come from the snobbish super academic background. Um, and uh, I, I was in that for a long time. And uh, the joke around the philosophy department uh, where I went to school was, as a philosopher, you have two options. You can either be a philosophy professor or a bus driver because you learn no practical skills that can be applied anywhere. And it was a joke because all the, philosopher, all the philosophy students and the professors and everyone knew that the type of education that we got 
at the university was actually the type of education that could be transformed into almost anything. So when I talk to people now, I tell them the reason why I'm a good web developer is because I studied philosophy. And it's because, and there, there are two branches to it. One is that I learned to think logically. Uh, because philosophy has a lot to do with logic and computers run on logic. So when I saw computer software for the first time, I just saw a logic tree and I'm like, oh, I already know this stuff. This is this is standard logic systems. So I can build logical components. I just have to learn the language, but the actual structure of this makes sense. Uh, the other part of it was, was more important, but I realized when I started working with clients is philosophy focuses mainly on how people communicate and understand each other. And what we tend to forget uh, as web developers and designers is that the web is actually just a means of communication. So when you build anything on the web, like a website, an app, or uh, Facebook, or anything, what you're trying to do is using a computer to convey a piece of information from one person through a system to another person. Um, and every time you build anything, you're trying to convey some sort of message. And we get often get really lost in the technological component of it because we're simply so focused on how to make the technology do what we want that we forget what we're trying to do is communicate. The technology is just the medium we use to get from A to B. Um, and uh, what you're talking about, this vocational uh, placement, I think the reason why that is, um, the reason why institutions frown upon it and the reason why it's so important that it needs to be there is that institutions are focused on the technical only unless you go to a school like the one i'm teaching at where they're mainly focused on the human aspect of it and the technological thing is more of a like a, let's do some web design work haha this is fun and then go back to the you know art part of it but uh, regularly when you go go through some sort of vocational program. You're basically just being crashed through all the technical aspects of it. You need to learn how to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. You'll get tested on your technical skill on these things. And then you go outside of the school and you start talking to human beings. And those human beings do not talk like computers. They have no interest in what the computer is doing. The only thing they want to do is take whatever message they have and push it onto as many people as possible and get them to understand what they're saying. Right. So uh, giving students or anyone who's working in this the ability to actually interact with real people, work on real projects, makes a huge difference because it takes them into the real world. It tells them, yes, you're building an app, but there are human beings that are going to use that app. And unless they understand it, I don't care how good your computer logic is. I don't care how well it works. If the human being that's sitting there tapping on it can't figure out how it works, it doesn't matter if your code looks nice. And, you know, th that's, that's why placement is necessary. That's why actual real project work is necessary. But that said, getting that to work is hard because you're basically taking people who don't have the technical skills, putting them into a real environment where they have to produce real products. And there's a level of technical difficulty to that that needs to be reached before you can do it. But you have to reach that. So you kind of have to place them in the right setting for their level and then, you know, level yeah. up both the uh, level of difficulty in the projects <clears throat> and the level of complication in dealing with this particular type of client as they are ramping up their skill levels. Yeah, it's not easy. Um, I'm going to put two quick questions and I'm going to let you choose which of the two that you want because you <laughs> you because you brought up this is such an interesting discussion. Um, 
question one, or you might answer <coughs> you might answer both questions. Sure. You know, um, question one. I think um, the education system in America and in Britain is approaching um, crisis, and I think in the next few years, for various factors, will will kind of semi collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is going to come out of that crisis? Because um, obviously, there's enormous, you know, for any industrial country there's a, a great need for higher education. And out of that crisis, out of that change, something new will come. And I just wondered what your thoughts might be. If Do you agree that uh, there's a fundamental crisis coming to the education, higher education establishment of North America and what you think might come out? And then the second question is that um, I'm not a bad WordPress developer, um, and I'm, I don't think I'm a bad designer. But when I, I I've worked for myself because more because of I have always worked for myself, and also my it helps me deal with my disability, uh-huh. which I, I kind of overemphasize. Um, but when you when you look at um, job specifications in the kind of web design development field and the broadband. I know they're fishing to try and get the best client, the best candidate that they can Mm -hmm. get for their money. But when you read at the specification that they're looking for, I I just think to myself, how can one person have all these uh, different design, coding, analytical abilities? And isn't this really very kind of, damaging to the whole industry and do you think it's going to change or do you think it's actually going to get worse so i've put a lot of stuff there for you and i don't know if you want to answer, <laughs> want to answer like, both or just one i'm sorry it's like really narrow in this question to make it as wide as possible okay um i can't actually answer both because they really tie into each other um is the educational system heading towards some sort of uh, disastrous break? Um, maybe, but it depends on what you're talking about. So you have to remember the educational system, what we do is like a tiny little blip of what is actually happening in the ed- educational system. So when you're talking about web design, development, any kind of computer-related things, um, a lot of work is being done in all these different schools and all these different ed- institutions to try to figure out how do we teach this in a rational way. Uh, the biggest challenge that we have in education for these technical courses is, like I said, that th- it's a moving target and you have to figure out a way of keeping that, uh, like keeping the school up to date with what's going on. And that has a lot to do with hiring the right type of teachers who are willing to relearn things over and over again or are willing to change on a, on a whim. So if something happens, they'll flip their curriculum during, during like halfway through a semester to add new content, which is a huge challenge. Um, but there's an, a different question in there that's actually quite interesting. And that is, what is the actual purpose of education in general? Because... Um, I come from Norway, and in Norway we have this bizarre problem, which is that um, the because education is entirely free, post secondary education you just go. I go to university. You just go to university. Costs nothing, right? You can take like five doctor degrees. You'll never pay for it. Um, 
what ends up happening is you get a population that's extremely highly educated, which is great. But the value of that education seen on an individual level goes down. So when I was graduating, we had this thing called the, uh, I guess it would translate to the master crisis. No, the bachelor crisis where everyone had a bachelor's degree. So the bachelor's degree was worth nothing. You couldn't go to any employer and say, I have a bachelor's degree. They'd be like, oh, wow, look at you. You, you know, and, and it was kind of funny because I was like, that is such a terrible non-problem to have for a country. It's like, oh no, everyone who has too high education is terrible, right? And it's it's not a bad thing. But the one issue with that is, if you think about it, it's not really necessary for a nation or a society to have everyone have a bachelor's degree. Because what you end up with is a lot of academics and very few technically skilled people. Um, and it kind of goes the same way when we talk about um, technical skills that WordPress specifically is quite interesting here because not everyone needs to be a WordPress developer. There's no reason for most people to know anything about how to write a single line of code or understand how WordPress works on the back end at all. Like you, Normal WordPress users never need to look at the code. That's the entire point of WordPress is to take, remove the barrier from uh, between the user and the database. You just slap WordPress in between, it just works. You, all you do is create content, push it up, everything magically works. Um, a lot of people, I think, go into WordPress or web development because they think it's an easy thing to make money off. And they think that this is, you know, here's how I'm going to make my living. What they don't realize is that like any other professional uh, type, sorry, like any other profession, this requires a lot of work, right? I like to equate uh, being a web developer to being a lawyer. Um, and people are like, lawyer? But that's crazy. And I'm like, no, it's not. Because lawyers have to know an enormous amount of information and then use maybe one little fraction of it. But they have to have in the back of their heads all this extra information because it may become important at some random point in time, right? So you're in a case and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, the entire legal system is based on prima facie. So there was a case like 50 years ago in some random place in the middle of nowhere where this actual thing happened before. So there's an actual judgment that happened and we need to follow that. When you work with web design, you're in that situation all the time where you go, I think there's a some obscure thing somewhere on the web that solves the problem I'm doing now. And I might have come across it before. And it's somewhere in the back of your head and you have to be able to figure out what that is and see if it works for you. So more than just knowing how HTML and CSS and JavaScript and PHP works, you also have to have that capacity to think outside the box and say, okay, I'm trying to move this over here. Now, there's another thing that also moves that over there. So maybe I can, you know, cobble that into something that I need to use and then use it for what I need. And that type of thinking is not something that everyone has. You, everyone can be trained to do it, but that's not something you learn in school. That's something you learn when you, you know, deal with people or do problem solving or big le build Legos at home or something like that. And uh, it's also something that you shouldn't require people to need to have to do things, right? So those who really like that kind of stuff, if you like to build your own things in Lego, then web programming is probably something you want to pursue. But web programming is not something you want to pursue if you're just looking for something that will pay you money, right? And we can't, you know, there's a, 
some sort of, if you think about it like an Aristotelian way and you say like, well, you know, some people are bakers and some people are cobblers and some people are masons, right? I don't think uh-huh. it's like that. What I will say though is we can't have an entire society full of bakers. You need farmers too to make the stuff they need, right? So the WordPress um, uh, ecosystem has a lot of really advanced developers and a lot of really good content creators and not a lot of good designers and not a lot of good content strategists and not a lot of good information architects or user experience designers or any of the other stuff that goes in between because people have been funneled up into development or they're stuck down in content creation because that's what appears to be where you get the money. And our job now is to get all that stuff in between filled out and actually get all these other types of skills built in. And I think that's where the academic institutions and things like Linda and all these other online training things can do a good job, which is basically retraining people already in the industry to broaden their perspectives and be able to meet that list you were talking about, the endless list of qualifications. And then also train new people to actually realize when you start, you should actually try to meet that list as you go out of school. Now, when you're talking about the list of qualifications, I know what you mean. If you apply for a front-end developer job, it's like, you need to learn HTML, CSS, JavaScript, PHP, jQuery, Angular, uh, Backbone. And there's like rattle off this enormous list and you go, what, what person knows all this stuff? The answer is, some people do actually know all this stuff, but they are rare. What they're looking for is someone who has the base knowledge that they can use to build on top of. So that means you have touched Angular and you know what it looks like and you know how, like the concept of how it works. Or you understand enough JavaScript that I can train you to do things the way I want you to do them. They're looking for the ability to learn new things, right? And they're looking for the person who will say, I recognize all these things and I know what they do. All right, I got you. Um, um, but I think um, the, the other thing, and I think it does a, touch on education and training in web um i i don't use i don't use the term web designer much now Mm -hmm. um because um i've got a feeling it's quite discredited and in some ways i think wordpress has had a element of that element entirely to blame you mean (laughs) <laughs> I, I was trying to be diplomatic. It's entirely to blame for I was being diplomatic there. Ah, um, 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 yeah, I was trying to be diplomatic. Let's be frank about it. I think it's really destroyed web design in mm-hmm. some ways, even though I love WordPress. Um, but also, there seems to be a divorce like Smashy Magazine or um, .NET Magazine, Net Magazine, and some of the leading web design blogs. And um, there seems to be a great divorce between Fortune 500 company processes where you, you know, you've got a budget of God knows what the budget is and you go through all, the, all this mock-ups and um, strategy meetings and yep. the website might take six months. And then there's the reality of web design development for small to medium businesses. And the two, it it seems to be getting worse, not better. It seems that there seems to be a total divorce between what the reality of a web developer designer, of the majority of them, and this 
this click I was going to say a clique, but I don't mean to be disparaging, but this top group that live in a, almost seem to live in a totally different world. Okay, let me right? let me say all the things that will get you all the hate mail. Okay, get <laughs> plenty. So, <laughs> what you're outlining is a real problem. But the real problem is not that there's an elite group of people at the top that are doing things in a very complex way and charging lots of money. The problem is actually that the people that are coming into the industry are coming in from the bottom and not understanding the industry at all. Um, let me give you a very frank example. That's a very common one, um, and you especially see it in the WordPress community. Um, I quoted on a project. Uh, no, sorry. I was hired as a consultant to evaluate quotes on a project um, for uh, an e-commerce solution for a clothing store um, a couple of years ago. And we sent out uh, to get quotes from six different companies. And the quotes were uh, 50 grand, 35 grand, 10 grand, 8 grand, and $800. For the exact same spec. And the spec was very detailed because I wrote it. And the uh, two top ones was Drupal, a custom solution. I think it was Mag Mag uh, Magento plus something else. And then the bottom ones were uh, WordPress. And when I talked to each of them, because I actually took the time to talk to each person who had quoted or each company, they were all totally serious about their quotes and how much time it, they would estimate it would take and everything. The problem was the three bottom quotes, so the one that was at 15, had an idea of how complex this would be, but it was worrisome how short time, like <laughs> the time frame they estimated was worrisome. The two bottom ones actually were so far off the mark in terms of understanding of what this involved that it was almost absurd. But what concerned me was they had no understanding of what they were getting themselves into. So they actually thought they were able to do this. One of them actually offered to install some theme that they had bought off some theme foundry and then just slap WooCommerce on top of it and be done with it, right? And that contrasts to the 50 grand company that was offering 300 hours of, uh, of content strategy, right? So it's one of those. And the reason why I'm saying it's not an elitist group at the top and then, you know, the real life on the bottom. What I'm saying is WordPress or web development in general is actually like being a lawyer. The only difference is to be a lawyer, you have to pass a bar exam. Right? You can't just go into court and be, I'm a lawyer. I read some random book about law. You can do that on the web, which is not good because it makes, uh, it makes for a bad product at the end. That's not to say people who are doing it are doing anything wrong. They're just um, misled about where the transition from I dabble in this to I can actually offer this as a professional service. They don't understand where that line is. And the line is much, much higher up than you think. Because uh, to service any website, so unless you're building a blog where you, in case you just bang up WordPress and install some plugins and you're done, if you're building any kind of website, about 80% of your time should be spent in content strategy. Hey, Morton, Jonathan, yep. we, we need to tighten up and sort of finish up WP Tonic. But what I'd like to do is <laughs> on timelines of success, it'll be more like part two. I'll sure. do a really quick, uh, who is Morton from Norway? Right, Norway, right? 
Yeah, how, I live in Canada, uh, but I'm from. And how do you got to Canada? Uh, nice place you live too. Along yeah, the coast. you you will have to come back, Walton, because I think we've only we've only touched the surface, haven't we? Really? But Jonathan, we? I want you to participate more in the our timelines in that day. So yes, I will do. Let's let's tighten it up and take about a three minute break. Sure. And we'll come out and do a part two. Will be timelines, and we'll they'll get both WP tonic and timelines. I look forward to how you edit this, Bill. Oh, it'll be, you know what? Make sure there are no breaks anywhere for him to cut. One thing about podcasting is there's no, you can't make any, nothing, everything's new and you can't make mistakes, right? Yeah. I like, I, uh, what I is like it? To, the, uh, we I make the like, rules. I just like to answer Moulton's last. Yeah, yeah, go, uh, yeah, finish up three or four more minutes. Yeah, I just like to answer you. Um, as you were, I think you've given me something to really think about, and I, I, um, I do understand. I did have a little bit of qualms about your last state, statement, Moulton, um, because um, of course it did. It's well, super controversial. I know. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it's. Con- um, I, I think a lot of what you just said is actually common sense, but um, the only the, the only kind of small areas that I had I've got some concerns with is that I don't like elitism. And uh, I actually, um, when it comes to doctors, lawyers, they do have to be professionals and they do need to be trained. But I've got a feeling in most Western countries, we're taking it a bit too far. And we're not not accepting they get a certain level of training and then they need effective mentorship. I think that's one of the problems with junior web developers or new people. It's quite easy to enter the industry and be very isolated where you would be better off trying to seek some mentorship. And um, a lot of it is just ignorance. They just don't understand because they've got no mentors, no people. I think think the problem, uh, all the stuff I was talking about, uh, the problem is the public perception of what web design and web development is. And that problem is perpetuated not only by WordPress, but by services, like all these other things like Wix and Squarespace who have ads on TV that say, want a website? Why not do it yourself? To me, that's like, need to fill a hole in your teeth? Why don't <laughs> do it yourself? Or, you know, your toilet's overflowing? Just take a hammer. And fix it like you can. You can just like hammer away at the pipes in the wall and then eventually they'll bend so much that the water's not coming out again. That's not a solution. That's just crazy. But, you know, for other things, like repairing elevators, changing the brakes in your car, pretty much anything else, you realize this is not something I should be messing around with because it has actual real-life consequences. The problem is with web design, you don't see the consequences of something that's not done properly. So let's say um, I'm a company and I go and hire some random person to do my uh, website for $600. Website goes up. I'm like, ha, look at my website. People will find a website, interact with me. I have sales. Everything's fine. Now, how do I know that that's not a good website? There's no way for me to know that. Unless someone else comes in and looks at it and says, you know that if you, you know, hook this up to all these other services and build it better your five customers a week might be 10,000 customers a week. And that's not something you can believe in until you see it. So what we do a lot of is we, we actually get contacted by companies who want us to come in and scope out their projects. 
So they basically, they hired some random person to do something and it just didn't do what they wanted. And then they ask us to come in and we take a couple hours and we talk to them about what it is they need. And then we build a scope based on that. And then they can go out to uh, contractors and say, okay, this is what we need. And then the contractors will actually bid on what they need rather than the simplest way of building a website. And what we're discovering is our biggest challenge is to convince them that the web is worth an investment. Because when they talk to people, they say the, the standard answer is there's a kid down the street who can do this for me for free. Right? And my answer back is there's a kid down the street who can paint your car too. Right? Watercolors, acrylics, oil-based lacquer. You know, you can get your car painted down the street. It's not something you would do, but it's possible. And that's not to say the kid is doing anything wrong. It's just the people who are hiring people to build their websites have no idea what they're buying. And the people who are at the, at the beginning stages of development have no idea what they're selling. And they don't know what kind of level they need to be at before they can technically say they're professional. I was, I was guilty of this when I started too. Pretty oh much God. everyone is. That's <clears throat> because there is no actual way for you to verify that you know what you that you know enough, right? There is no a golden standard for web design at all. And because the threshold for entry is so low, it's very easy to think that you know enough. And it's only when you've been working in it for like five or six years you realize, oh, I don't know enough. Oh dear God, I need to you know do something about this because this is falling apart. And at that point, you're like. I've been shipping product for four years. <laughs> what have I been doing, right? And then you secretly sneak into the websites of the people you've been working with before and just like update everything without them knowing about it to cover your mistakes. That yeah. is real. And it's because, because the web doesn't have massive posters and a better business bureau of the web. This website was not <laughs> built properly. Blank, right? That doesn't happen. Right. So It loads slow. That's how you know. Yeah, but even like that's slow on computer terms. So yeah, it's yeah. like, well, I'll say, you know, 300 milliseconds more. Yeah, yeah. How do you know that? I'll finish, Bill. Don't worry. Continue. So I, I think we, get, we have to continue this at some stage. But I, I would just say, I think our discussion has been insightful. I think we have covered the areas that um, you really have experience in, Morton, and I've really enjoyed the conversation. And hopefully you come back, and we will be having a hangout on Saturday. Oh, yeah. We've got we've got an excellent panel of um, people in the WordPress community. You will know some of them, Morton. And um, it's going to be a very lively discussion, I think, and a very passionate awesome. one. Uh, Morton, <laughs> okay, drive on. We'll, this is going to be part two coming up on Timelines. Thank you. So people have to go when they're on timelines to part one. Hey, just a couple quick thoughts. The laughing at the front, if you want to see what we're laughing about, you're going to have to go up on the website, WP Tonic or Timelines of Success. That's WP-Tonic or Timelines of Success. And uh, see the uh, recording of this episode because we recorded it on Skype. It's kind of neat. Got three-way conversation going. Now, secondly, a thought here from me. This is really Jonathan's show, WP Tonic. I just sort of help and sort of secondary host along the backside. But Jonathan is a full-time developer, knows code, does some heavy-duty work in the WordPress industry. But I do believe that everyone in business, if you're going to have a WordPress site, make your money in WordPress, 
you got to have a fundamental understanding of it so you know when you hire the code guys what they're doing. With that thought, just drive on, listen to Morton, listen to Jonathan. It was a great conversation. And uh, listen in tomorrow for Timelines of Success. We're going to do the traditional show and find out if Morton uses a Mac or a PC. Thank you.